Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and happy Wednesday to all of you. Welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA. Here to present you with ease of wisdom, insight, and empowerment, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. And uh, is our our goal and our responsibility, I hope, that every week, every time we do this show, that we are empowering you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. So that's why we're here. That's what we try to do every week, every time we're on the air. We've been off for a bit. <coughs> Excuse me. We've been off a bit. Had a, had some very busy, uh, had a busy schedule, so we haven't been able to do as much as we want to with the show, but we are here today, and hopefully we'll have a great time. We're looking forward to it. Um, we're waiting for this Women's uh, History Month. Today is National International Women's Day, and according to some, it's a day without women. So we'll talk a little bit about that and a couple other things. And hopefully we'll be joined by our guest, uh, Rachel G., who is a um, relationship coach and expert. And she'll be talking about women empowerment issues um, when she gets on. And so we're excited about that. Uh, it's a great day. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, your love and kindness. We thank you for another opportunity to do this broadcast. Now let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. God, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so it is Women's History Month, the month of March, and I celebrate those women who have done tremendous things, I can't call up their names, but uh, women have done a tremendous thing. And, of course, if you're in the church, you might as well say you can't have a church without women. So I celebrate the black women. Uh, my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my ancestors, my sisters, my nieces, my nieces, my aunts, all my friends and loved ones who are women celebrate you this month and today for the work that you have done or are doing and will do and I'm grateful you know I'm not one of these women bashers I I'm, I'm I know a lot of men 
who are bashing this day. And I <laughs> I have I read read one Facebook post where it said uh, you know, it's kinda of slipped up on the dude and he was like, Oh, they already have Valentine's Day anniversaries and birthdays, so why do they have this day? <laughs> and I was I laughed but I you know for a lot of men, the issue with celebrating women, I, I don't understand the issue with celebrating women. Um, and I, I'm not talking about from a feministic perspective. I know there are a lot of women that are extreme feminists, but there are also a lot of men who are extreme patriarchs. So patriarchs, not, uh, not uh, patriots. <laughs> also, I don't see the issue with just celebrating women. I and and as, as I said earlier, you know, if you're in the church, you know, 85% of your membership, probably even 95% of your membership is women. Unfortunately, 95% of your leadership is male. And you can see the conflict there. I know that in my church, a lot would not get done if it were in front of women. But we men, we do what we can uh, to maintain the physical plant. The women do what they can to make sure the church is hospitable. And, you know, they keep it rolling. They keep the faith going. They keep us going. And so I, I, um, I, I choose to celebrate the women today. Now, um, there are some who are observing today as a day without women. And for some reason they feel that it's necessary to protest uh, that to prove that the world cannot function or it will be hard to function without women. Now, I will no way dispute that. I will in no way dispute that it would be more difficult for the world to function uh, without women. By however, calling for women to protest to prove a point does more ill, in my opinion, does more ill, does more harm does more to cause hostility toward what the women are trying to address. The day, um, not the day, but the weekend after President Trump was inaugurated, they had the um, Women's March all across the country, and I believe even some around the world, where women marched in protest against Donald Trump's inauguration. At least that's what... Uh, some painted it to be. I, I don't know the specific purpose of it. They have one here. Um, and some men joined in, in solidarity and as allies. And, but again, I didn't understand the purpose, so I didn't promote or participate. Um, I can understand why some women wanted to do uh, and what some women are trying to uh, convey in this day without women. When you have a president who as a candidate stated, even though it was many years ago, stated, you know, he could he could basically get a woman however you want, you know, and that misogynistic um attitude was was a direct um uh sense of of his um privilege as a man, as a wealthy man to basically uh take advantage of women as he pleased. Now that may not have been the case, you know, you know how men brag and boast stuff sometimes they never get to do or never have done but fantasize about. But either way, it rubbed people the wrong way and it 
it dubbed him uh President Trump as misogynistic anti women and things like that. And so I can understand the backlash. I can understand why they are doing what they're doing, saying what they're saying and all of that. Um but again, you know, I, I want to make sure that I differentiate feminism from um womanhood. You don't have to be a feminist to be a woman and to be celebrated today or this month. Um that's the, and I think that's the emphasis we have as men instead of countering with a an attack of any kind we need to celebrate we came from women we have our mothers we have our sisters and and it's just me it may just be me but um if we denigrate them in any manner we're doing our our women our own women our mothers grandmothers and sisters and ancestors in like manner that's just me but hey, what do I know? <laughs> uh, I call another interesting uh, thing that's been floating around the web. There's this blogger who has claimed that uh, he is now uh, has converted to Roman Catholicism because of the Reverend uh, Pastor Creflo uh, Dollar Jr. Um, and I, I came across this. Um, several sites, uh, primarily thanks to Ann Brock and her site, the old black church. You can go there and you find the article there. But the article um, is written by a Albert Little, and he said why that it's titled "Why Creflo Dollar Made Me a Catholic." Um, and it's basically as a retort. Uh, and, and it's a couple of years old. Um, the article itself is a couple of years old, and it's about the time when Creflo Dollar was soliciting money to purchase a new jet. You know, if you recall, you wanted to buy the, the latest, greatest um, $65 million uh, plane to help with his ministry. And um, the author. The other rights basically that uh, is because of this overindulgence in prosperity gospel that um, he decided that he needed to go back to a simpler form of Christianity, which is which is basically um, Roman Catholicism. And in the article, he said he he basically says, um, you know, he wanted to get back to scripture. He wanted to get back to um, the idea of trusting himself. He wanted to get back to um, basics of the faith and that the Catholic Church uh, asserts that Jesus didn't leave us a Bible. He left us a church. And a church without authority, with the authority of Scripture um, is the New Testament and it's what the apostles passed down and, and that is what he should live by. Uh, and he says, how did Flo Dollar make him a Catholic? It basically, it, the outlandish interpretations uh, of, of from Creflo Dollar and others like him basically um, basically um, changed his, uh, his understanding of, of himself in Scripture and how he he was wrestling to find that uh, a theological tradition that he could uh, 
be at rest with. And apparently Catholicism made it. Um, but why why is circulating now after all these years? Um, it it's pretty, you know, it, it's it's pretty funny. Um, hold on, let me see if I can bring it up. Maybe this will bring it up. Um, just work with me here. Yeah, it's the same. I, anyway, I, I, you know, I, I hear about people who, uh, because of preachers, um, revert, either become agnostic or, in a very worst way, they become atheists, non-believers. And in my, in my, um. Association and interactions with those persons who are non-believers, a lot of them, um, including those who are former ministers, former clergy, a lot of them, they, the first primary thing they wrestle with is the fact that there are things in the Bible, stories in the Bible, commandments in the Bible that seem to directly contradict what the Bible itself is supposed to convey. And so they they wrestle with that, and then there is the other other aspect of that. The other aspect being that um, the more they read the Bible and rationalized, you know, in its in its more standard rhetorical um, um, theoretical understanding, that they came to find came to the conclusion that, you know, they in good conscience could not believe. And I can tell you this, honestly, having been a seminary and having had instructors and and professors who push you to the limits of your belief system. I mean, I really had some I questioned whether they were you know, they preachers, they're pastoring, they're professors and I was like, Do you really believe what you what you you preach on Sunday? until I got myself as an academic and a scholar got to that same point where I was questioning, and I and I like to say this: uh, questioning is healthy. It's a part. Uh, it should be a part of your spiritual uh, discipline, um, and, and and things that you know. There's nothing wrong with a healthy skepticism. And I, when I was doing the interview for the upcoming uh, documentary Exodus. When I was doing an interview for that, and you can find the trailer there on um, on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, um, I said, I'm a healthy skeptic. I don't mind questioning. I don't have a problem with questioning. I don't, you know, questioning for me is a way for me to find the answer that best, that I be I believe to be the best uh, for me. And while questioning is rather subjective, it can be very beneficial. And so anyway, <laughs> but I would not allow any preacher, this is just me, I would not allow any preacher to to cause me to go astray or, you know, leave the faith or anything to that nature. I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. But I know plenty, and some preachers give plenty of ammunition for others to do that. Uh, I, I was at a church visiting 
uh, not long ago, and you know, I was like, I was listening to the preacher, and in the back of my mind, I was like, how in the world has he been preaching this long and could barely uh, do a simple exegetical um, teaching? You know, he was he was trying his best to sound learned, and the problem was. He was learning it in the wrong thing and manipulating scripture to fit what he was trying to say, and it was a, just a horrible, horrible thing. And, and you know, when you have persons like Benny Hinn, um, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis is notorious for this. They're they're notorious for manipulating scriptures to fit their ideology, and mostly to benefit them financially, their ministry, whatever you know. That's what it does. And unfortunately, those persons are the ones who, unfortunately, when people find discredit in their ministry or their doctrine or their praxis, you know, how they go about ministry, when people find that that disconnect, uh, um, that dissonance, well, they turn away. And unfortunately, that's what happens. Unfortunately, that's what happens. Um, I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back from the break, hopefully our guests will be on the line. We'll try to contact make sure uh, they're available. And, and if not, we'll just fill up the show with some good news. <laughs> you know, some great. We'll talk about some of the current headlines. Um that have been going forward. So we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even mermuts. And we covered it, February 3rd, 2016. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even mermuts. And we covered it, February 3rd, 2016. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, at first I thought it was just the stress of moving. Hey, I was using that. Think we own stock in the electric company? I will turn this car around right now. There's nobody back there. I was becoming my father. <clears throat> it's been an adjustment, but 
We're making it work. You know, Progressive.com makes it easy for us to get the right home insurance. Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto. And at Progressive, we let you compare Progressive direct rates. Great deals for real. And our competitors' rates side by side, so you know you're getting a great deal. Even the moolah. As you can see, sometimes Progressive isn't the lowest. Not always the lowest. Jamie, what are you doing? I'm being your hype man. You know, we said we wouldn't do it. I'm sorry, we were talking about savings. I liked his way. Talking about getting that money. Talking about getting that money. Savings worth the hype. Now that's Progressive. And at Progressive, we let you compare Progressive. Those of you who've listened to my show uh, realize that uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me. And I had lost just, I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents. But then I remembered that I had security. I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com. Now, here's the good thing about Carbonite.com. They have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce, transactions, all that stuff. They got it, right? And then they house it in state-of-art data centers that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving them either because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So if, if, if you, you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go to their site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer will be safe and secure Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. Lorenzo Dio, and um, we're glad to be back. I guess our guest was not able to make it. We've been trying to contact him and get her um, on and may be having some technical difficulties on that end, so I apologize. Uh, we will do our best to try to reschedule uh, with uh, Rachel uh, at another time. We're going to do what we can to, to uh, make sure we make this happen, and um, so... I'm gonna try to, to fill <laughs> fill in the blanks. <laughs> it shouldn't be too hard to do because um, there's been uh, there is a lot to talk about, uh, a lot of news, uh, and you know I, I guess I'll I'll lead off this last little part. I, I take about ten minutes and and I get out of here. 
Um, so the news with Ben Carson, uh, who is the new Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, famous neurologist, um, neurosurgeon rather, uh, gifted hands author, um, many other books author, and I had was one of my personal heroes, um, and I emphasize was. <laughs> I had the opportunity on at least three occasions to meet Dr. Carson. The first was when I was in high school. The second was when I was in college and uh, went up to Penn State and was with the running there scholars there, and you know he. Uh, Spoke to us, and then um, another at another event several years later. And I was uh, every time I met him, I got to shake his hand. Even signed, I have had something signed by him. I don't know where it is, but um, he signed the program at one of the um, one of the events that I I got to meet him at. Um, very humble, soft-spoken person, and you know, I I could tell he was very very. Highly intelligent, and again, very, very respected in the black community. Um, his story of what happened to him and how he beat the odds to become the person he was. And and then he burst onto the political scene um, just a few years ago with one statement at the prayer breakfast that set off everybody who was on the conservative <laughs> end of things uh, that – they then be they made him their 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 baby. They made him their pet project. They they tried to frame him. They tried to create him in their image. They tried to make him the good, acceptable uh, black person who could be a great opposition to the their current nemesis at the time, uh, President Obama, and. Um, you know, you know, black folk because we are overwhelmingly, as a community, as as a not monolithic, but overwhelmingly democratic, not necessarily liberal, just vote democrat, and um, you know we're more conservative socially, um, we're moderate on some um, some things politically, but but um, um, or maybe it's worse. Maybe it's the latter. Maybe it's a vice versa. Maybe we're a little bit more uh, conservative socially and uh, moderate politically. Did I just say? Uh, anyway, anyway, he became the darling of the Republican Party, and and somehow they got it into his head that he should run for president. Uh, no qualifications, no political experience. Only the fact that he said something to this other black man who had re- achieved notoriety. <laughs> that that was basically it. And uh, they set him up on a path of failure. You know, eventual. You know, he, his campaign was full of of embarrassing things for black folk. You know, this was our hero, and to hear our hero become enamored with um, a party of of a lot of bigots. There, there are a lot of bigots in my party. I'm Republican. You know, I don't hide that about it. There are a lot of bigots. There, there may be some racists in there. There. Uh, quite a few, <laughs> quite a few staunch conservatives, and in, in that sense, they just want things to go backwards in some ways, regressive, uh, and so they were adamant about repealing Obama, anything that had to do with Obamacare. They were adamant about repealing anything that Obama did as president, uh, and, and 
And that's just the reality. And, you know, it, it grieves me when I hear some of my fellow black conservatives join in on that because I'm like, man, we got to think for ourselves, you know. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, so they, 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 they raised him up as their hallowed darling of minority outreach. See, all Republicans aren't bad white males, you know, bigots. But we have blacks who are highly trained, highly intelligent, and can speak to our platform in a way that you should accept. And because he's already adored and enamored in your community, you should vote for him. It turns out that uh, he was bit on the cookie side. Well, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I digress. So um, he withdraws from the race, and eventually Donald Trump uh, taps him to be Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Why? I think the word urban is the key. You know, here is this famed person who grew up in an urban environment, escaped that urban environment to become successful, um, had a successful, um, somewhat of a successful bid at the presidency. Um, And so who better to manage the organization that oversees much of the housing in urban communities than somebody? Urban. (laughs) I don't want to say black, but, you know, Urban is the new black, but um, so so he has his first day. He's he's been confirmed, and he has his first official day, and and he gets to speaking inspirationally about immigrants, and he says the words. And I I was trying to get the um um I was trying to get the the actual um audio for it, and I wasn't able to do it in the short time that I had. But um, you're gonna go. You you can find it just about anywhere. CNN, all the major outlets, YouTube. <laughs> you can find it anywhere. But in in his statements about those who came over uh, for in search of better life, he mentions that some came over in the bottom of slave ships. Some immigrants came over in the bottom of slave ships, and they were paid much less. And it's that it's that statement that. Brought him a lot of the the um, the the exposure that he's been getting over the last several days. Uh, largely, is not the statement itself because uh, President Obama. Uh, there, there's there's a transcript of him in a speech he did that said the same thing pretty much. They uh, they're not quite identical, but they relate the same idea that um, persons who came from West Africa, Central Africa, as slaves um, were immigrants. And the defense of that is, of course, the definition of immigrant. And, you know, when you go and you look up the definition um, in Webster, I'll pull it up real quick, and you can see. um, Webster defines an immigrant as a person who comes to live permanently in a foreign country, in other words, a newcomer, settler, migrant, immigrant, etc. And <laughs> there's a biological, there's a biology definition. And this is the biology definition that probably is closest rendering to immigrant as it re- pertains to slave. An animal or plant living or growing in a region to which it has migrated. 
So, by that definition, uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Carson was well within the context of that definition because slaves were not considered human beings. They were considered animals. They were considered property. And in that sense, they were migrated. They were living and growing in a region to which they had migrated. It was not by choice. Just as Bessie DeVos, uh, upon um, President Trump meeting with the uh, presidents of uh, several HBCUs uh, a couple of weeks ago, and Bessie DeVos took that opportunity to highlight school choice by saying HBCUs were a they are a preliminary example of of choice. And when the reality was there was no choice. We didn't have a choice, school choice. You know, blacks didn't choose to go to HBOs, HBCUs. They they had to. That was the only thing that was available to them. There was no funding from the federal government for HBCUs for for decades. There was no funding. You know, they relied on the pledges of churches. They relied on the pledges of alumna, uh, alumni to support them, you know. It, um, I think about my own alma mater, my alma mater, the University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, formerly Arkansas Agricultural and Mechanical University College, A-M-N-N College. Um, when I think about that, and I you know, read up the history, you know, it started as a, as a school that was, you know, post-slavery, Reconstruction. And up until 1972, functioned as the <laughs> illegitimate child of the state higher education system. You know, they didn't get funding like the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville, the Razorbacks. As a matter of fact, <laughs> even while I was in college, I had, when I said that I went to, you know, I was in college in Arkansas at the University of Arkansas, oh, you go to the Razorbacks? No. I go to, I attend the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, <laughs> formerly AMN College. We are the historically black college, uh, flagship of the Delta, the only public uh, black college in the state. And there, there, there's uh, Shorter College, which is, of course, owned by Amy Church, and Philander Smith, which is a private university owned, uh, I won't say owned, but um Primarily founded by United Methodist Church. Um, so, in that sense, both Carson, Dr. Carson's statement and uh, Betty DeVos's statements, um, the reason so many uh, persons of color are antagonized by the statements is because of the fact that there's an inconsideration of the narrative, the authentic narrative. The authentic narrative is that people from Africa were brought over here. As cattle, they were sold as property. They remained someone's property unto death. Their children, their family were torn apart because they were not property. I mean, they were not people. They were not human. One of the reasons that we have the Electoral College is because the southern states had the advantage. They had the greater population. So they had to make sure that the, you know, if they counted the slaves as people, they would dominate the country as far as representatives. And so all of that weighs into 
where we are today and why Dr. Carson Dr. Carson's statements and President Obama's statements are indicative of their ignorance or the whitewashing of their narrative. Cannot afford for it to be whitewashed. You know, we don't want um we want our children to know the reality that slavery existed. It was not, you know, it wasn't quite Django Unchained, <laughs> but it was it was real. It was a it was a a very devastating life. And even after slavery was abolished, there were many blacks who still saw themselves as property, even though they were free. And many ventured out on their own. But a lot stayed on the plantation, and I think in direct relation to my personal history, my family history, you know, uh, on on my paternal side, that was the case. They stayed on the plantation. While they worked, they worked as uh, sharecroppers. They made very little. They were essentially still indentured servants at very best. You know, they the 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 plantation owner gave them parcels of land that they could build a home on, raise a family on, but they in essence still worked for him. You know, he owned the business, he owned the land, they worked for him. For little to you know, very little pay. But so what 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 what's the effect that it will have on us now? I think in this this era, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for blacks, for us blacks to understand the value of ourselves. While Black History Month is over, we still have a lot to address. We still have heroes to create. We still have legacies to make. And we don't, we should not rely so much on um, powers that be to endorse us, to enable us to become the direct assistant. We must trust in God, true. But there is the essence of self-reliance. And, and while there's a myth in, in American um uh, in America, that you know, pull yourself by, up by your own bootstrap, and we bought into that. There's, there's, there's some, there's some good things in that. Uh, there's very good things in it, but we still must, by all means, we still must know that um, when we try to pull ourselves up by the our bootstrap, there's going to be someone who is a non-person of color who. <laughs> will not appreciate the fact that we are doing so and will find a way to um find a way to entrap us will find a way to um to what I'm saying what am I trying to say you guys know what I'm trying to say um, um they try to mess it up they try to sabotage it that's what I'm trying to say T- sabotage now I'm not speaking. I'm speaking very general, and I'm not speaking directly because I know there are plenty of persons who are not black. Uh, the new term that I just learned is non-people, non-persons of color. <laughs> there are people. There are plenty of non-persons of color, uh, those with fairer melanin, who um, 
will support us and will do what we need to be what we need. Um, that's that's a good thing. Um, but we shouldn't rely so much on them. We can't get it done by ourselves. But I, and I say that because in each attempt that we try to get it done by ourselves, think about those uh, who were planted to sabotage us, who were our, like us. You know, they used our own folk to uh, disrupt us. And in many cases, you know, we're like the the crawfish in the barrel. You know, we pull pull each other down for some reason. But that's not here nor there. Um, so I, I'm not trying to condemn what Dr. Carson said, and 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 I'm certainly not applauding him for saying it. But I I just want us to understand contextually, uh, we live in an era now where people want us to just fit in. You know, they don't want us, they want us to assimilate more, they want us to relate. Uh, They want, uh, a vast majority of white people feel this way. Why can't we just let it go? Why can't we just, just you know, acknowledge that it's past and it's past and leave it alone. Why do we have to keep raising this up? Why do we have to keep doing this? Why do we have to keep acknowledging? For example, why do we have to bring up Emmett Till when it happened 60 years ago? Why do we have to rehash that even though the woman says she lied? Why do we have to bring that back up? Why can't we just let it go? Why do we have to keep talking about black-on-black crime? Well, why do we have to keep talking about Michael Brown and Trevon Martin and Eric Garner and those others, many we can name? Why do we keep talking about they're dead, they're gone, just let it go? We can't let it go. We shouldn't let it go. You know, no matter how what the narrative was surrounding those issues, those circumstances, those individuals, we must still be vigilant to say that we have an identity that goes beyond us coming over to this soil, this sacred soil that we call the United States. We have an identity beyond that. And I think when we get there, uh, what a mighty powerful people we will be. And I think uh, we need to get there sooner than later. Um, for eight years, some of my non-people of color condemned, or if they didn't condemn, uh, they, expressed great, they expressed great uh, disapproval for the former president. Largely, and I think this, and I didn't hold my tongue back, even though I never, I didn't really agree with a lot of things President Obama did, policy-wise, or his ideas. I, I did not, and I did not vote for him. That's not a secret either. I prayed for him every day, and I admired him, his swag. I admired the way that he handled all that he handled, the way he handled it. <laughs> I I I I love the brother for that. I think he was the coolest president we ever had. Uh, you know, that's just a, he was just that guy. He is that guy. Um, but there were a lot who were intent and still are intent of doing what the Romans used to do to an emperor they didn't like. Erase his memory. <laughs> that's what they did with Nero. That's what they did. <laughs> With Tiberius, that's what they did with um, uh, oh boy, Caligula. That's that's what they did. <laughs> once that once that emperor was dead and gone, they tried their best to erase 
the memory of that person. And I hope that we are not trying to do that. I hope our Congress isn't trying to do that. Well, they are trying to do it with one particular act, the Affordable Care Act. And um, I can understand some of the things, uh, there, why they want to repeal some of the things in there. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm about to get out of here. Um, I, I, again, I apologize for our guests. I, I think we had technical difficulties. and So we'll try to reschedule uh, with Rachel G., uh, on another occasion, I want to take this time to invite you. If you're in the Jackson Metro area, Mississippi, or Louisiana, I want to take this time to invite you to the Eighth Episcopal District Mid-Year Holy Convocation, and it's a wonderful event that we are doing. We're celebrating. Uh, well, we're just celebrating, just because God is good. But um, be workshops and worship services, and you're welcome to come out. That's going to begin on tomorrow. Uh, March the 9th and go on to Saturday, March the 11th, and it will be held at the Bonner Campbell Religious Institute in Edwards, Mississippi, and you are welcome to come. We're excited to be be led by our illustrious bishop, presiding bishop, uh, Julius McAllister Sr. and his lovely wife, Mother Joan McAllister, and the elatable and... um, Excellent staff for the 8th Episcopal District at the African Methodist Episcopal Church. So please come out, and if you're available to come out and join with us. And we have some other engagement. I'll be preaching on March the 19th at the Turning Point Mission Church in Jackson, Mississippi. And you're welcome to come out there. We'll also be visiting, um, if you're in the Atlanta area, we want to invite you to come out to the Pan-Methodist Young Adult Meeting. And that's going to be held at the Western Hotel in Atlanta, the Western Airport Hotel, Western Hotel by the airport uh, in Atlanta. Um, that will be March the 16th through the 18th. You're wonderful. You're welcome to come out and join with uh, young adults from across the African Methodist Episcopal, African Methodist Episcopal Zion, and the uh, Christian Methodist Episcopal churches as we dialogue and worship together. Uh, that that's a wonderful opportunity. And if you have anything that you would like to to share with us here on the radio, we're looking for sponsors. If you have a business that you would like to sponsor, uh, be one of our sponsors or segment or for the show, uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, take the time to visit my website, and I didn't give this information out <laughs> earlier, uh, but go and like the show on Zero Today. Uh, go like our pen, our page, uh, Zero Network on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Zero Radio. Uh, follow me at Prophesy. Uh, hit us up um, on email, my personal email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Also, uh, go to my website, LorenzoTNeal.com. We'll be celebrating, we are celebrating 25 years in ministry. We'll have more information about that for you so you can celebrate with us, but we're glad about that. So this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you uh, log in anytime we're on and um, go back and visit the uh, any archives uh, show. You can listen all the way back to 2011. We we got it going. Um, this show is also available for downloads, your iTunes, iPods, all of that. So enjoy. You go back to listen to all good segments. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed it. But until then, we got to get out of here. Um, Appreciate you for tuning in with us this week. And again, we apologize. We oh, we will make sure that we have 
everything ready to go next week. And this is uh, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I am out. God bless you.